And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that, there, that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. But he did not raise him if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Friends, good morning. Uh, It's great to be with you. Um, My name, as you'll have gathered, is Bishop Pete. Bishop just means that I oversee uh, the Church of England churches, um, not just in Sheffield, but across um, South Yorkshire. I'm really glad to be here this morning uh, because it gives me a chance to say thank you um, to you. Um, The the Diocese of Sheffield um, will thrive as uh, St. Thomas Philadelphia thrives. Um, We need a thriving St. Thomas Philadelphia, um, and you punch your weight and above your weight for the gospel, uh, for the good, not just of the Diocese of Sheffield, but for the city of of Sheffield. And I'm really grateful to Peter for the invitation um, to preach this morning, because it gives me that opportunity just to to say thank you um, to you. Um, I I gather that uh, in the weeks since Easter, you've been exploring um, in some detail the resurrection of Jesus, and um, I hope I'm going to be building on what others may have said in uh, these past few weeks, as for um, the next uh, few moments, we home in on uh, those verses that were read for us with such feeling a moment ago. Thank you very much, whoever the reader was. Um, uh, you may, I'm going to follow the text quite closely, so you may like to have it. If you've got it on a phone or um, on a hard copy, uh, then do just keep it um, uh, in, in front of you. Um, I, I do realize that not all of you are football um, fans, but I have to confess that I broke off um, my sermon preparation for two hours yesterday afternoon um, in order to watch the FA Cup um, final. Um, I'm sorry if there are any Watford fans uh, present. Um, but but, but it, it's actually helped the sermon um, in this way. Um, uh, while I was watching the, the football on the telly, um, I remembered Arsene Wenger, the former manager of Arsenal Football Club, who once said um, about uh, the concentration of fixtures, of matches, that Premier League clubs have to deal with in December and again in March, April. He once said, Christmas is important, but Easter is decisive. Christmas is important, but Easter is decisive. You're laughing because you know he spoke better than he knew. That may be true of football. It is absolutely true of our faith. We would not celebrate Christmas if it was not for Easter. Nobody would celebrate the birth of Jesus if there had never been a resurrection of Jesus. And I suppose the question I want to put to you This morning, which is, I think, the question that St. Paul was putting to the Corinthians is, have you stopped, actually, to consider 
the difference that it would make to your faith if Christ had not been raised. Do you know what difference it makes to your faith if Christ has not been raised? I think Paul offers us three consequences. Uh, First of all, and this is verses 12 to 15, he says that if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain and we are misrepresenting God. We're false witnesses about God. No resurrection, no gospel. Second, this is verses 16 and 17, he says, if Christ was not raised, then you're still in your former state of sin. No no gospel, no liberation. Thirdly, finally, admittedly, the phrase, if Christ has not been raised, doesn't come a third time. Thirdly, I think he's saying, if Christ has not been raised, then those who have dead, even those who have died in Christ, are lost. They're gone, eternally, utterly lost. No gospel, no hope. And all I want to do in the next um, 15 minutes or so uh, is to take each of those three points um, in turn and just explore them um, a bit further. I hope that's okay. So, first of all then, um, uh, St. Paul says that if Christ has not been raised, then there is no gospel to proclaim. Our proclamation is is useless, I think um, was the translation we we heard. Uh, And we're found to be lying about God. We're found to be false witnesses uh, because we are saying that God did raise uh, Jesus from uh, from the dead. This is how um, the reading began. If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there is no resurrection um, of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then obviously Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain. It's useless and your faith is in vain. Your faith is useless and we're found to be misrepresenting God because we are saying that God raised Jesus from the dead. If Christ has not been raised, then there is no gospel. There is no point to preaching. There is no point to faith. And God is made out to be a liar, or at least we are made out to be lying about God. Now, I don't know um, whether any of you will have noticed this particularly before, but um, if you scour your Bibles, you will uh, only just now and again find the phrase, Jesus rose from the dead, or Christ is risen from the dead, mostly in uh, the four Gospels. But far, far, far more often, with absolute consistency, right through the preaching of Paul, the letters of Paul, um, and also in the sermons of Peter in the book of Acts, the majority language of the New Testament is God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus has been raised from the dead. The point is, Jesus did not raise himself because he was dead. He was properly dead. And the only route back to life for Jesus was for God in the power of his Holy Spirit to raise Jesus from the grave. And upon that fundamental fact, my whole faith is built. This is the gospel that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And if I'm wrong about that, I am wrong about everything to do with my faith. I am one of those people whose faith would be fatally undermined if they were ever to find the bones of Jesus in the ground somewhere in Israel. It's a bit like this. The only reason that I'm here preaching this morning is because of one fundamental fact upon which I have relied 
which is that Peter was inviting me to come and inviting me to come today. If I was wrong about that fundamental fact, then everything else would fall to the ground. There would have been no point me interrupting my sermon preparation for two hours yesterday afternoon to watch the football because there would have been no point in preparing a sermon to be preached this morning if I was not invited. There would have been no point in me driving home from home down uh, to this place this morning. There would have been no point in me breezing in, sorting out a microphone at the sound desk, seeking prayer before the start of the service if I had not been invited. Everything depended upon that one fundamental fact. And that's how it is with your faith. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, you may as well, as it were, with me, go home early for lunch. If Christ has not been raised, then those who say he has been raised are misrepresenting God. We are found to be liars about God. That means not just that you have been duped into believing that Jesus has been raised from the dead. You have become a fraud the moment you try to persuade others that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Um, Church without resurrection, church as social club, is not just empty, it's a deceit. It's a lie. And if you are perpetuating the lie that Jesus has been raised from the dead, then you are worse than bad. The liar is the evil one, and those who persist in lying are on his side, not in God's. Everything depends on the truthfulness of the statement that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. No resurrection, no gospel. Christmas is important Easter is utterly decisive. Second thing that Paul says is that if Christ was not raised, then you are still in your old state of sin. Uh, What does that mean? What does it mean to be in a state of sin? Uh, It means quite simply to be in debt uh, with God. Ours is a debt-ridden society, and I guess that at some stage or another, uh, you will all have had that cold chill of being presented with a bill that you cannot pay. Uh, Probably most of you can imagine, even if this has never been your experience, what it must be like to find yourself caught in a spiral of debt, not just having run out of cash, but to have escalating debts, unable to pay even the interest on your loans, to have creditors breathing impatiently uh, down your neck. Can you imagine, in those circumstances, how utterly liberating to have your debt paid in full, cancelled, for you. Well, it was to announce precisely that sort of cancellation of debt that Jesus died and was raised by God from the dead. I have a small personal um, insight into this. 30 years ago, uh, when my wife Kathy and I were raising um, our family, uh, we had a three-year uh, period in which I went back to being a student. Um, and because our children were so young, uh, Kathy was at home Uh, with the boys. We had no income apart from my student grant um, and it was not enough. Uh, We tried to live um, in absolute simplicity uh, but we still had to put food on the table, we still had to buy necessities for our boys, Uh, we still had rent to pay and we were trying to run a car and it could not be done. 
And week by week, we went deeper and deeper into the red with no prospect of um, a way out. Um, So we decided that the responsible thing uh, for us to do uh, was for us to sell the car. That would be costly for us because we were not particularly living close to um, wider family at that time. And just as we made that decision and took that step, without any request from us, my parents-in-law wrote us a four-figure check. It came with no strings attached. It came with no expectations. It came with no obligations. It was sheer generous gift, and it wiped out our debt. And I can still get in touch with the relief. It was like the sunshine coming out after days and days and days of unbroken cloudy gray. Um, I don't don't know if any of you will have come across a, a Geordie comedian Um, called Bobby Thompson. Uh, He used to be called the Little Waster. Um, He used to tour the working men's clubs of the Northeast um, in the 1990s. Um, And his routine often included jokes um, about debt. Uh, One of his gags was, he he used to say, um, I I, I was a clumsy lad. Uh, When I was a lad, I was always running into things like debt. Uh, But now I'm a grown-up, he said, I'm, I'm absolutely determined I will never get into debt again. I will avoid debt at all costs, even if I have to borrow money to do it. (laughs) And his audiences laughed because they knew the experience. And it's the same uh, 20 years on in most of the deprived communities that we serve. Um, Universal credit is in danger of becoming universal debt. The thing is that Jesus also used to speak a lot about debt. It was his favorite way of helping people to understand what sin is. In his stories, he often compared sinners to debtors and forgiveness to release cancellation of debt. In fact, um, one of the versions of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew's version, um, says not, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, but cancel our debts as we cancel the debts of those who are indebted to us. It's language we can relate to. And Jesus spoke about his coming death and his resurrection from the dead as the means by which God cancels our debts and forgives us our sins. Um, A bit later, we're going to gather around this table. Uh, On the night on which Jesus was betrayed, he took a cup And he said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. For the cancellation of your debts, my blood is shed, he said. When he went to the cross, he went promising that that would be the means by which our debts would be canceled. And when God raised him from the dead, that was God sealing the deal. That's why St. Paul can say, if Christ has not been raised then you are still in your old state of sin. If if Christ has not been raised, you are still in debt to God. No gospel, no resurrection, no liberation. Christmas is important, but Easter utterly decisive. That brings me to my third and and final point. Um, If I'm reading him right, this is Paul's third point as well. So first, if Christ was not raised, our proclamation is in vain. No resurrection, no gospel. Second, if Christ was not raised, we're still in our sins. 
no resurrection, no liberation. And third, if Christ was not raised, then those who have died, even those who have died in Christ, are lost eternally. No resurrection, no hope. Um, There was apparently a poster in the maternity ward of a hospital which said, the first three minutes of life are the most dangerous. And under it, somebody had scrawled, the last three minutes can be pretty tricky too. (laughs) Um, We will all have our last three minutes. And probably we don't spend enough time thinking about that and preparing for it. And most of us have a view about what will follow. And those of us who are gathered here are odd because we approach those last three minutes with hope. Out there, the normal assumption is dead is dead. The last three minutes are your last three minutes. And when Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, then those who have died are utterly lost, that's the view that he is recoiling from in horror, the thought that dead is dead and that death has the last word. Um, for Paul, that's an appalling thought. If, if Christ has not been raised, then Christians are pitiful. We are the most pitiful people of all because we are deluding ourselves about our eternal destiny. Now, his critics might say that Paul um, was only horrified to think of death um, as the end because he was, he was afraid to die. Um, m- most of us, I guess, are a little bit afraid, if not to die, then of the process of dying. Um, you, you may know Woody Allen's words, I'm not afraid to die, I just don't want to be there when it happens. Um, or his critics might say um, about St. Paul, Uh, that he was horrified to think of death as the end because he hadn't come to terms with his own mortality. Um, Mortality is is normal and uh, we should just get uh, get real, get uh, get over ourselves, get used to the fact that dead is dead. Um, uh, Psychologists say that most of us, um, aware of our mortality, try to leave some mark that will uh, survive us, a sort of way of living on even after that we've, uh, we've died. This is Woody Allen again. I don't want to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve immortality by not dying. Um, maybe, maybe Paul was afraid to die. Maybe he hadn't come to terms with his immortality. But when I read a, a letter like his letter to the Philippians and see the calmness with which he confronts the prospect of his imminent execution and his hope that beyond death he will be raised to life in Jesus, I doubt it. And I think it's his hope, not his fear of death, but his hope which is fueling his protest, if Christ has not been raised, then those who have died in Christ are utterly lost. That protest in Paul is not fueled by fear, it's fueled by hope. And that's why he's able to say, but. I think in this Bible passage, that is my favorite word in verse 20. But. If Christ has not been raised, then my sisters and brothers, we are in a world of trouble. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
And that word first fruits is a glorious word. Um, St. Paul does not just mean that Christ's resurrection is the herald of other resurrections, yours and mine, which will follow in the way that um, uh, the the sight of the first swallow uh, in summer is a herald, the other swallows uh, will come bringing um, summer months with them. Now, he means something stronger than that. He means that Christ's resurrection is the down payment. It is the pledge. It is the guarantee of your resurrection and mine. If Christ has been raised from the dead, then death is not in fact the end. Death in fact does not have the last laugh. Christ's resurrection guarantees for us that death is defeated. Because of Christ, you and I can look forward to life beyond death and a life in which all the wrongs of this world will be put right. What rejoices Paul and gives him hope is the resurrection of Jesus the guarantee that God is renewing his creation and will bring his kingdom to completion. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And it will because it is guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus. The day is coming when God will be all in all and when the glory of God will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Because God has already raised Jesus Christ from the dead. No resurrection, no hope. Christmas is important. Easter, utterly decisive. Um, I'm going to sum up and then shut up. Um, I don't know how many of you will have heard the great Baptist uh, preacher, 19th century preacher, heard of him, um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Um, He was a trainer of students for um, ordained ministry in the Baptist church. Um, And it's said that he used to tell them, when you speak of the Lord's resurrection, let your face light up with joy. When you are speaking of the coming judgment of God, your ordinary face will do. No resurrection, no gospel, no liberation, no hope. Uh, My friends, if this gospel is not yours, if you do not yet know this liberation, if this hope is not yours, it is there held out to you by your heavenly Father in the resurrection of Jesus. All you need to do is take hold of it. And I urge you to do so today. No resurrection, no gospel, no liberation, no hope. But God has raised Jesus from the dead, giving us gospel, liberation, and hope. Thanks be to God. Amen.